Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Niner Sports Talk, the last episode of the year, I might add. And before we get going, I want to just uh, say a quick thanks to Miles Reuter, my co-host, and I'm going to bring in Bradley and Bryson, our other two co-hosts. All right, so Bryson, if you want to go ahead and give a few words from Miles, I want to do something a little special for him as we send him off as this is his last episode with us on the Niner Sports Talk. Most definitely, Miles. You know, it's been a been a great year getting to work with you. You've done a fantastic job as assistant sports editor, and you know, all your hard work has definitely paid off. I'm glad to get to know you. And I think I can speak for all of us that we're glad to be on this journey called life with you. It's a one filled with ups and downs, but, you know, being able to call you friend is pretty cool. Wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors, my friend. Thanks, Bryson. means a lot. Yeah, Miles, we came into a very unexpected year, as all of us on this call have, and we've done a lot of good things, and I don't think too many bad things. Can't thank you enough for being not only my assistant editor at Snyder Times, but also a co-host on this podcast as we all started, and this has been an idea that has been a long time in the making. I'm so glad that we're able to make this happen and can't wait to see what you do in the future. Definitely, Brad. It's been a fun year. Yeah, and for me, I can definitely resemble both those guys' remarks. You know, this year was kind of crazy, not going to lie, but with you and Brad, you know, we made it all work. Staff writers were definitely in some good hands with you two and between the podcast, you know, I worked with you, me and you more one-on-one. I can really say you're very knowledgeable, and I think you've got a bright future ahead. Oh, man, that means so much coming from you guys. I mean, we've put a lot of work in this year, not only at the Niner Times, but this podcast. And just hearing you guys say that, I mean, that, that brings a tear to my eye a little bit. I really appreciate the words. And I know I'm leaving, but I know you guys are in good hands, and you guys can carry this going on to next year. Yeah, so I want to thank Bradley and Bryson. I texted them this week and asked them if they'd come on and do this, and they said without a doubt. So thank you guys, and I'll let y'all get on with the rest of y'all's day, and we'll Take it from here. Thanks, guys. Thank y'all. Thanks, Bryson. And thank you, Cameron, for doing that. That was really special, actually. I wasn't expect. I, I was not expecting that. Yeah, man. I mean, it's something I felt we should do because I mean, you put in just as much work, if not more, than a lot of the staff writers for sure. But in this podcast, you've definitely done, you know, a very good job you know, being my co-host and us working with Bryson and Bradley. And I know they are appreciative of your work as well. So with all that sobby stuff out of the way now we can get into a little bit of sports and so our first topic of the day is going to be a year in review and so might as well let you kick that off and we'll start with football since that was our first uh, sport of the year let's get away from the emotions a little bit let's talk a little bit more about football looking back at the 2020 season they went two and four not the most exciting season that there's ever been a lot of the games were canceled due to covid not the best season overall but that is what you get when you get with covid yeah, that's that's my thoughts too. I mean, over half the games canceled. It kind of was unfortunate for all of us, but more so unfortunate for the players. And I know we've harped on this. I mean, we've beat this horse into the ground. It's unfortunate, but I think in large part, we could take this as a learning experience. I mean, COVID sucks and everybody's still wearing masks, getting the vaccine, what have you. But I think it's a big learning experience. Now we know what to do if everything somehow turns digital again. We got to do interviews over Zoom and press conferences over Zoom. So there are those options available, but it will be nice to get back to some sense of normality or normalcy in the fall with the the 2021 season. Yeah, I can definitely kind of continue on with that, not taking it for granted, you know, just taking it as a learning curve because the team didn't have a single game at all in November and we beat that thing dead, but just not taking this for granted anymore because you never know 
when these games are going to get canceled or when maybe this opportunity goes away. I think just enjoying the experience and everything, including the spring game that happened, which we'll talk later in the episode about. Yep. And so men's basketball, they started off pretty good, had some big games against some big opponents, but then tapered off towards the end of the year. I don't think they won a game since the end of January and they finished the season on a pretty rough note. And I know this year we had uh, Trevor Wilt, our basketball analyst for the team, come on and talk a little bit about that and just how, you know, there's might've been some issues in the locker room we don't know about or just whatever, but you know, men's basketball started off high, kind of ended on a little bit of a low note. So I'll let you take that from there, Miles. Yeah. Lost the final, I think nine games of the season, obviously not the best. They started nine and seven, lost nine straight, nine and 16 down the game during the season. We brought Trevor on and he kind of talked about the players just going through the motions. They didn't feel invested. And I only watched them from afar on TV and stuff like that, but it definitely felt like the team wasn't fully invested and some of those players just didn't feel fully engaged in the games. Yeah, maybe engaged is a good word. I, I like that. It just looked like they didn't have their heart into it. I mean, they're going through the motions and they didn't play with any kind of aggression or fire. At least it looked like that to me. It just felt like whenever like a couple of shots didn't go in, like they start, they just went on these stretches where like five to seven straight shots just kept going out and they just looked defeated out the court. And then I remember I was watching the North Texas game at the end of the season. They just blew them out of the water right out of the gate. And it was just, it was kind of heartbreaking to watch because this team had so much potential with Jameer Young and Jordan Shepard coming back and just fell flat. Yeah. Not to say that North Texas wasn't a phenomenal team. They ended up going to the second round of the NCAA tournament. But still, Charlotte didn't really have the best of year, but they'll look to turn things around, have some big, big transfers come in from one from Clemson, a few from uh, other schools. Go ahead. I got two other ones. Yeah, you mentioned Clyde Trapp from Clemson. There's a Musa Jallo who's coming from Ohio State. He actually played in the tournament, even though they lost to Oral Roberts, but exciting <laughs> to see him actually come from Ohio State. And then there's also Robert Braswell from Syracuse. That's right. And Syracuse made a sweet 16 run, did they not? I believe so. A promising future. We do have the departure of Jordan Shepard, who's going to be a graduate transfer. We've got the departure of Anzac Rosetto. But Jameer Young, looking like he's coming back. I've seen on different social media sites or outlets that him and Clyde Trapp have been conversing about the best backcourt duo, that kind of thing in Conference USA. So it's looking like Jameer will be back. He'll be a junior, had a phenomenal sophomore outing, led the team in scoring. There is promise for the future if everybody will buy into the system. Coach Sanchez runs a very defensive-oriented team, but at the same time, defense can win championships. That's proven with Virginia in 2019. It can happen, and if the guys just devote serious time, I think they can go far. Yeah, definitely. Seeing all the new guys come in, if they can just come together as a team and work together to achieve like the ultimate goal with Ron Sanchez's leadership, this team can be really special next year. As we look at the women's basketball side of things, the women team, they... <laughs> Had a really great year. Their 10 and 12 record isn't really indicative of how well they played. Octavia Jet Wilson, it goes without saying, we had her on a few weeks ago. Phenomenal player, and she's coming back for a fifth year. But, Miles, I'll let you kind of take over on this discussion. What were your initial thoughts on the season as a whole for the women's team? Yeah, they did start off really on a poor note, 0 and 4, but a lot of those games were close losses. And then once conference play started picking up, they started winning games and they started showing how good they actually are. And the, towards the end of the season, they lost three in a row. But the thing about this team that I always found interesting is that they never got blown out in any games. A lot of their games were one, two-point losses, and we saw that towards the end of the tournament. If they just made a play here, there, another shot went down there, they could have 
had a more of a successful ending to the season, but unfortunately it just didn't happen. Yeah, I think my comment a few weeks ago was a few possessions from a 15-5 and five record to a 10-10 and 10 record at the end of the regular season. I still think that statement remains true. Like you said, a few possessions here or there, missed pass or a bad turnover away from having a really good record. With Octavia coming back, Jada McMillan, the point guard, will be a senior. We got a couple of transfers in Cameron Roach. Gracious, what's the one from Duke? I can't Michaela even Boykin. Michaela Boykin will be there as well. There's another one from Kentucky, Kiki McKinney. Yep, yes. Kiki McKinney from Kentucky. Two transfers from Kentucky, one from Duke, all coming in next year to play alongside returners like Jet Wilson, like McMillan, J.C. Busick, Melina Williams. It's noted Jasmine Harris did transfer to NCA&T, but we have a couple of freshmen coming in that'll likely fill that position. It'll be fun to see. I definitely like that statement that you said. A couple of possessions here, they're away from being, what did you say, 15 and 10? 15 and 5. 15 and 5. They ended 10 and 10 before the WNIT. All right. There's just a lot, a lot of things to be excited about next season. I didn't really expect Octavia Jet Wilson to return, but seeing that she is, she was obviously a, a really talented player. She made first team all conference. Plus with all the players returning, the freshmen, the transfers, the, there's a lot to be excited about. Some key departures, obviously Mariah Lenny graduating, Dara Pearson, our six-year player, graduating, Jasmine Harris transferred, but with all we've got coming in, while we've got returning, I say, as Consuegra likes to say, head coach Kara Consuegra, she says that the future is bright, and I resemble that remark. The future definitely is bright. Excited to see what happens, and I think this team can definitely do better than 10 and 12. So, favorite moments of the year. Miles, I'll let you go first. What are your favorite moments from this past year so far? I guess my favorite moment is Ben DeLuca breaking the all-time tackle record because he's graduating this year, or he's not graduating, but I've seen him play all four years. He was a freshman when I was a senior in high school, and seeing him play throughout my entire college career along with his, it's pretty awesome to see. It was really special. That's got to be up there for me, but then again, seeing Octavia Jet Wilson break 1,000 points, score 42 twice this year, once in her game that she broke 1,000 career points, and wants to end the year against the FAU. That was pretty crazy in Halton for that game. She just, when she goes into takeover mode, she is a one beast to defend. It was really special to see her break that record, as well as uh, Kara Consuegra tying the all-time wins record at Charlotte. It was awesome to see Jet Wilson kind of get the recognition that she deserves. She got ESPN National Player of the Week, and then she got Co-Conference Player of the Week, which she should have held by her own, but... Still awesome to see someone from Charlotte get that national recognition. And she got cover of the Niner Times. We can't forget that. Of course. <laughs> it's been a great year, but we still got some sports going on like baseball and men's soccer as a baseball team is on a tear, 19th in the country, and soccer is getting ready to start the NCAA championship against North Carolina next Sunday, May the 2nd. Looking at baseball, they're currently, as of, as of right now, they're playing against Old Dominion. They're, those two are basically the top two teams in the Conference USA. It's kind of nice to see some valiant competition they're going back and forth right now charlotte just won the first game of the doubleheader on sunday really exciting to see charlotte baseball i've been here for four years i've never seen charlotte baseball be ranked or even this good they haven't been ranked by the way since 2011 this is pretty awesome to see charlotte baseball play this well and they might even make the college world series that would be a phenomenal honor if they could do that but if i'm not mistaken charlotte's ranked 19th and old dominion's ranked 20th it's a a bit of a battle. Charlotte just won the first game of the doubleheader they're playing today. They could travel to Chapel Hill this upcoming Tuesday, which was postponed from a few, uh, weeks, a few weeks ago. It'll be good to see them play an ACC opponent, get a little bit of um, 
power five flair in there, if you will. Kind of looking at next week, too. This isn't the only time they play Old Dominion because the way the season was scheduled, they played Old Dominion eight straight games. Next week, they're going to play at Old Dominion. They're going to play four games against Old Dominion, then play a midweek game against UNC, and then they're going to go and play them on the road. Oh, wow. It's got a chance to really, if they can win enough of these games against Old Dominion, even boost their ranking in the top 20 or, yeah, top yeah. 20 of the country. Yeah, they can definitely solidify themselves as one of the best teams in the nation. I know when their hitting is on, it's it's fun to watch that team because I was uh, at the game against App State at the Cannonballer Stadium. And it's fun to see their display of hitting when they really get going. They can put up some numbers and very quickly. Yeah, Austin Knight is the one that's at the top of my head when you think about hitting. 0.378 ERA. That's almost unheard of. I know it's college. You're going to hit a lot better than in the pros, but that's still really good numbers. Was that ERA or was that batting average? That's batting average. Okay. Uh, 0.380 ERA or batting average. That's, that's yeah. up there. <laughs> Looking at the ERA, speaking of which, you're talking about pitching. The pitching on Charlotte is pretty good. Bryce McGowan, one of our starting pitchers, he's at around that three ERA mark. And also looking at our, our reliever, Jackson Boss. I saw him the other day playing. He's just a really good reliever, comes in, is really consistent. Because isn't a two ERA perfect? The perfect ERA is like zero. What? <laughs> no, I thought there's like, I might be talking about earned runs. I'm not exactly uh, sure. Baseball's got a weird formula of how they keep stats. If you keep, if your ERA is like between two and three, that's still really good. Yeah. Really good. So, as we kind of transition to a men's soccer, first round of the NCAA tournament, they didn't win their last game of the year, so it was kind of in the committee's hands, but they put them in the tournament. We go to Cary, where the site is, to play Chapel Hill in the first round on May 2nd. Miles, opening thoughts about that game. Who you got winning? Um, some predictions. I'm excited to see Charlotte. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to talk to Brent Bronico. He's a Charlotte soccer player. He used to play here. And what's funny is that he talked about the last time that well, actually, the last time that UNC played uh, Charlotte, it was back in 2014, which is when he was playing, and UNC actually ended up beating Charlotte. So we kind of talked about that. So it's kind of interesting to see that dynamic. Maybe there's a bit of revenge for Coach Langan because he's probably the only person that's still on the team that yeah. remembers that game. But I'm hoping for Charlotte to win. I think they, ha I think they definitely have a chance. Just got to stay strong on the defensive line because if, if UNC gets aggressive, then, you, I mean, we saw that earlier. I mean, if you're on defense all the time and you can't get the ball ha past half court, you're kind of, you're, you're going to struggle. UNC's definitely got some good strikers, but, I mean, we've had quite a few shutouts ourselves this year, so our defense does play well. It's all about if they can play well enough, again, against that Power 5 school and, you know, ultimately come out with a victory. The game is going to be held... Next Sunday, actually, May 2nd at 5 p.m., so it's going to be interesting to see. We did make a goalie change halfway through the season, and since then, he's the guy that's, mace, that's mostly gotten those shutouts. So if they, if they can keep that up, and, and we also have Patrick Hogan, by the way, who is, I think, Defensive Player of the Year for, for the conference. Okay. Yeah, we wish them the best of luck. My prediction is a close Charlotte victory to get out of the first round. I'm thinking 2-1 to one or 1-0. I'm not thinking this is going to be a game where anyone gets over two goals i think first one to two wins um, miles what about you i'll take charlotte one nothing the goal the number is one if you can get one goal in then you can probably you can probably keep that lead although it is only one one goal but if you get you've got ahead you can play a little bit more defensive and put people in the box to prevent prevent goals and heading into our last discussion of the episode Got a little bit of spring game action for the Charlotte football team to talk about. We'll talk about general impressions, who stood out, who didn't. Miles and I were both there. 
one rainy day. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> you, you definitely have to be dedicated to uh, go sit out in the rain in a poncho for about two, three hours. Miles, I'll let you kick this off and give your first impressions and stuff like that. My general impressions are that Chris Reynolds definitely stood out. He was, he was the most composed and relaxed quarterback out there. And we'll talk a little bit about James Foster and see how he did. But after that, the defense kind of picked it up. The defense kind of impressed me a little bit because we, we were short on a few players. I know coach talked in the, in the post-game press conference that a couple of linebackers didn't play because of COVID. Plus, he also lost Ben DeLuca and Nafiz Lyon. Those are both two cornerbacks, uh, I think. It was interesting to see how the defense started to pick up as the game went on. I know the weather may have played a little bit of help into that, but they still they still impressed me. Yeah, I I thought the defense played well beyond their years. To be as young as they were, yeah, the rain might have helped out on a fumble here or there, but ultimately the defense stood out to me just how young they are, but how above their years that they played. Like you said, Chris Reynolds, it's it's going to be hard for anyone to take his starting job, especially after Healy's comments after the game. You know, he said he's happy with Chris at the helm. James Foster didn't play bad. I think he played new, and if, if that makes any kind of sense. I think he just he's new to the system, and he's not quite meshing fully yet, but the dude's talented. The talent's ever clear. I think he'll be a key asset to the 49ers in the future. That pass down the left sideline to like Taylor Thompson, that was a really impressive throw. And then he kind of showed off his dual threat ability because after that he ran for like 17 yards or something like that. So the talent's obviously there. It just wasn't a good first impression. This is a lot of people, for the people that were at that game, this is their first impression to see what this guy is like. Because most people, if they're at the game, they probably know that James Foster's coming from Texas A&M. They want to see what this guy's like. What was it? Interception and then he fumbled again. He fumbled in the red zone, but yeah. who knows that, it, you know, the rain. But yeah. that's no excuse. But at the same time, this dude could have had jitters. I mean, like you said, this is the first time in front of a bunch of fans. And it wasn't near the 38-90 capacity that was allowed because it was pouring down rain. But there was still a good bit of people there. And so who knows, this guy could have been just a little anxious about his first time out there in front of any kind of crowd, for that matter. He didn't take many snaps or snaps, rather, at Texas A&M. So it could have been a nerves thing or yeah. know, it could have just been the weather. Yeah, the nerves thing is definitely there, and I felt it was kind of interesting. I, was, I kind of laughed because, like, his first pass interception, like, that's, like, the worst possible way you could possibly start a spring game in front of a bunch of fans that want you to succeed. To me, that looked like a complete miscommunication because I don't even think the receiver ran the full route. I think he ran a different route than Foster was expecting, and, I mean, it just ended right in the corner's hands. It was right to him. So miscommunication or not, still a pick on the first play. But I think he showed what he's capable of. However, I do wish he would run with that ball tucked in. <laughs> he runs with like Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson with that ball out. And I'm just like, oh, God. In, dude. <laughs> especially oh. when it's raining, you know, it's easier to fumble. Hopefully he takes better care of it when it's not raining, when it's a sunny day. Yeah. But Reynolds, phenomenal first drive, touchdown pass to Cameron Dollar, a 40, or was it 35, 45 yard run? 49 yard 49 run, ironically. Run. 49. <laughs> oh, see what you did there, 49ers, 49. Ironic as that is, still a phenomenal run. Reynolds has some wheels. I was right down there in front of the 50, and I mean, that he he was going. I was impressed by how fast he ran. It was like his first, he looked really impressive. Yeah, and I mean, he had the red no-contact jersey on, but that's to be expected when you're QB1 in a spring game. Do you think he keeps that job? Oh, that, that, was, that was the tweet yesterday for me. I absolutely think he keeps the starting job. I said, Foster, talented without question, but he's new, and it definitely shows. So I think Reynolds' job is safe for now. Like I said, Foster has a whole summer 
to practice. He has a whole summer to get better. So the competition will continue to grow, but it'll be one of those two. I don't see Dom or any of our other backup quarterbacks getting the starting job over Reynolds. It'll it'll be Foster or Chris. I know Dylan Ratliff, I think it was his name. He threw a touchdown at the end of the end of the thing. Which is by the way, that was the only two touchdowns in the whole whole spring game, which is why we were saying like the defense was so impressive. But it's definitely Foster or Reynolds, and I I'd have to agree with you. I mean, Foster does have the height advantage. He does probably has the quickness advantage. I know Reynolds was fast on his forty nine yard run, but I mean Foster's probably still faster. But at the end of the day, who has more experience? Who has the leadership? Who's been here the longest? And that is Chris Reynolds. Yeah, kind of going off that experience, Chris Reynolds is a three-year starter now. James Foster, yes, he went to Texas A&M, but he hasn't really played a lot, so he, ha- he doesn't have a lot of college experience. That, that has to go to Reynolds, too. It'll be fun to see who gets that start, but right now it's, it's Chris Reynolds' job to lose, like we said a few weeks ago, and I, I just don't see anyone taking that from him game one. Another thing I just want to point out, there's a lot of transfers that came into this. There's that came into the school and to this program, and they really shined in that spring game, I thought. Kofi Wardlow came from Notre Dame. He got, a, he got like half a sack, and he recovered the fumble that Foster fumbled. And then there's also there's a running back that got the start, Shadrick Bird was his yeah. name, and he came from Iowa. So there's a lot of, and there's John Anderson, or John Alexander. He came from Kansas State. So there's a lot of guys from good programs that are coming to Charlotte, and I think they can make a big impact this season. Yeah, when I was writing the article about what to look for in the spring game, I was listening to Healy's press conference, and he says that in the running back room, it's Shadrick Bird who's been taking most of the one snaps with the ones and the starters. So I think it'll be him that starts for the team because we, we lose two guys in Trey Harbison and Aaron McAllister. That's, you know, crucial. But I think we reloaded very well in the running back position. So it's we'll see right. how that goes. It's wide open. Whoever whoever wants to be the starting running back got to prove it in, in practice because it's wide open. And, it, and honestly, too, who meshes better with Reynolds at this point? I mean, I, I'm i always a big proponent of a running back and a receiver is only as good as the quarterback. So if your quarterback's good, then you can be good. Also kind of just looking at the wide receivers real quick. I know uh, Hunter Bailey, he sent out a tweet. Michaelius Elder is not on the roster right now. He was a, a somewhat of a component last season along with uh, Victor Tucker and Cameron Dollar. So it's kind of interesting to see him not on the roster. Don't know what that's going on about, but. Something to keep an eye on. I wonder, whew, wonder what that could be. Transfer or and it's a bit late for transfer. I feel hmm. I, I think in his Twitter bio he still says UNCC, so I don't think I don't think transferring. I don't know, maybe a school problem or something. I don't I don't know. That's just speculation. I don't want to go too far. Yeah. That, but. I mean we we don't want to speak fact into anything we don't really know, but as what we do know is he wasn't on the roster for the spring game. Kind of wrapping up here with the Last episode of the Niner Sports Talk of the year. I want to say thank you to Miles again. It's been an honor to work alongside you in the podcast you know, industry, or if you will. I think you got a very bright future ahead of you in the industry. Thanks, man. I really do appreciate that. You've been an awesome co-host as well, running the show over there, running the intros and the outros, and just being an awesome person to talk to and engage with. This has been a fun experience, and I'm glad we were able to do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For one last time for this school year, I'm Cameron Williams, and that is Miles. Have a great week. Have a great summer. It's been a pleasure.